This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Now it's time to do something called church and talk about how, how church kind of works. And, and, you know, I think this is the time of year I feel constantly drawn to say, all right, so, so let's, let's get really clear about what churches are trying to do, what churches, synagogues, mosques, what, what, what all really good, healthy nonprofits are trying to do. And that's to just make the world a little bit better. You know, even, even to the stranger, even in the small interaction. So I, so I don't want you leaving with this service feeling like you have to remake the world. Maybe it's something much smaller than that for you. And maybe, maybe we can leave just recommitted to that idea that we're just here to make the world a little bit better. That simple. And better where we're more engaged. More engaged in our lives and more engaged in community, more engaged in all these things that, that we can actually choose to do. That we can actually make choices around it. It's, it's interesting. Um, in my life, like when life tends to be going really hard, what's the human tendency? To go in and isolate or to go out and connect? Isn't that interesting? You know, that's what we do. We, we tend to want to isolate and make the world smaller. And what I'm going to ask us to think about today, even if you're here struggling, is think about the opportunities to make the world just a little bigger. When we make it just a little bigger, tends to make it a little better. So, so I start with this idea that, that there's this basic thing. You know, there's a need, a change, and a chance. There's a need, there's a change that's happening, and there's a chance, and that's that chance to make things better. So I want to look at first, like, like this idea of what the need is. So if we go to this next slide, I'm going to have a question up here. And the question, what are the pressing anxieties of our time? Now, I know, again, that I'm preaching out there to Western Pennsylvania. You folks are more than welcome as in your congregation out there to just sit and chat with a neighbor. Or if you are text phone savvy, you're more than welcome to text and answer. I know my parents are watching today. I don't think my parents know how to text, so somebody's got to help them out there. But if you do know how to text, feel free to, to shoot me a note wherever you're watching from about how you would answer this question. So we're going to take 60 seconds. We're going to take a look at this question, and I'd love for you to think, yeah, what, what are the pressing anxieties of our time? What are the needs? And you can text from here, you can text from there, or talk about it with somebody around you. So please take 60 seconds and do that. So, so thank you, thank you for those answers. And we got lots of great ones from all over, and they're still coming in. Job security, 
Am I measuring up to everyone else? Worries about the future for the kids. I, I know that for me, even like just watching through, uh, you know, college, the college loan process. Oh my goodness. Uh, from down south, the balance of the, of the almighty dollar and getting family time to stop the abuse of vulnerable people. Politics, violence. When will my teenager awaken? That's a big one. The Amazon is burning. Uh, not enough hours in the day. Lives too packed. So, you know, keep them coming in. Uh, Travis from out of western Pennsylvania, again, he reiterates, again, the Amazon rainforest burning. I, there's a story behind this one. Somebody said car insurance. I'm sure there's a story back behind that, right? So, so we have all these, we have all these things. We have all these anxieties, right? And, and, in church, I think, and again, I'm talking churches, synagogues, mosques, the whole thing. Like, like, there's a way in which they can actually be part of addressing this. They can be part, not not necessarily part of 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 definitive answers, but they can create a, a, a fabric of grace, a dance of mercy that can start us in a place where we can actually have these conversations. Instead of the conversations starting with, which side do you belong to? Say it all the time. Do this hand motion all the time. It's what we fight about, and it's what we fight for. And how do we get to this? Well, with churches, it's interesting, because we are in such a time of, of deep, deep change, and uh, how much those changes happen. So, so we talked about a need, and now we're going to talk about change, old structures that are, that are facing new problems, and how do we kind of restructure to face these new problems, these new challenges. What's interesting, church for, long, for so long was, was really things were kind of written in stone, so to speak. First Presbyterian Church, service morning, 10.45 a.m., evening, 7.45. They were sure that this was the way church was going to be. And, and what would somebody like that, I imagine that pastor thinking like, you live stream? What does that mean? I mean, do you realize more people watch church now outside of Sunday than watch on Sunday? That's kind of interesting. But that's the challenge, right, is, is, is we have structures, and these could be structures of church, structures of society, that, that are made for a time, and things get written in stone. We think that's the way it is, and then all of a sudden we need to change and shift. And that change and shift can be very, very challenging. Change is hard. So a story I want to tell you, it's a story I've shared in some workshops, but I think it's so critically important for understanding how all this works. I'm going to step over here to tell this story. The story, again, is, is the story of, of Lewis and Clark. And the story of Lewis and Clark being about this story where they're, where they're traveling across, across the country. They're looking for an all-water route. Uh, they're going to be able to canoe across the country, the core of discovery, be able to get out to the West Coast. And then we hit those things, folks. What are those big things in the background? The mountains, the Rocky Mountains. How good are canoes in the Rocky Mountains? Not terribly good. Not terribly good. But, but that's the challenge, folks. And we have to be able to step, I'm going to step back over here. We have to be able to step in this place where we, where we understand the kind of decisions that, that are hard and challenging and, and, and questions in our lives. I think we have to be really willing to engage. And, and this is hard stuff. This is hard stuff. How do we create structures that serve into a new world? I mean, I don't know if you're like me. I mean, some of the times I feel like I'm born in the wrong era. 
but I should have been born in like the 50s. And because the changes are so great, how do you, how do you keep on top of them? And just to, just to give you the idea of how hard these changes were to make, to rethink. Think about the people. Think about those guys in the Corps of Discovery, Lewis and Clark, 1800s, trying to find an all-water route across the country, uh, commissioned by Thomas Jefferson. This was to be their big moment. They hit these Rocky Mountains. Well, they had built these very precious things. They had built these precious canoes. Now, canoes back at that time, they were not, you didn't go up to Cabela's and buy the canoe. How long do you think these canoes took to make? Years. I, I mean, these, this was not little, little like, I think, Mom, I'm going to make a canoe this afternoon. I mean, these, these, these were works of art. And just imagine how you would, how you would form a canoe, how you'd scrape it out, how you'd create it, knowing that this canoe, this was the canoe that was going to get you across the country. You were sure of it. And not only were you an expert canoe maker, you were an expert at canoeing. You were as good as they got. Or you wouldn't have been on the core of discovery. Put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself as they start to try to carry those canoes over the mountains. Do you think that worked, folks? No. And just for a minute, like even letting in, like, how hard that is. And, and I'm not making light of it at all. It, not in the least. How hard that is to put down a canoe that you've spent all that time and precious energy making. This thing that you've cherished, that this thing that you've constructed and loved, this thing that has seen you through all kinds of trials and tribulations. Now, I have to laugh because for me, I have a lot of canoes I really love. I would have walked it many miles, sure, and if you're like this, you can shout it out, sure that just the next mile I was going to need that canoe. That, that the rivers were just through this little mountain pass, but they couldn't find that. They had to leave the canoes behind. These things that had served them well, that had done their job, and there was a time to honor that and to continue in ways very challenging to move forward. That's so much where I see churches, that's so much part of the Christian message. I think Christ is constantly saying, like, all right, there's these parts of our lives that, that we know that are very precious, and, and he's always calling us to this next thing. New church, one of the most fascinating passages I find in new church theology is this simple one. Maintenance is perpetual creation. To do anything, we have to constantly be recreating. And that's a challenge, I think, for a lot of us, because for a lot of us, there's this basic dichotomy. Anxious, anxious safety versus costly, costly freedom. That, that freedom, it's, it feels hard. It feels challenging. But, but just staying where we are feels incredibly challenging as well. It just feels like Things aren't working somehow. Like there's anxiety, there's things that just don't feel like they're working. And how is it that we can find new ways around that? 
So as the band comes out here, I want you sitting a little bit uncomfortably in that question. Like, what does it actually look like? Like, what can we actually do? Where, where can those changes be? I, I don't, and I'm not going to come back and like the clouds are going to part and they're going to have a big screen and behind the big screen is the answer. But I think as we go into the year, you know, and the year really gets going like mid-September, beginning of October, we have to have this question hot. We have to have these edges plastic in our own lives, the lives of our churches, the lives of our communities. So we can start to listen, to listen to what God's asking us. Knowing that really what he wants is he wants us, he wants us all. Like he wants us in. He wants us to call us to this next thing. And I think faith, maybe it's just this. Faith is maybe when we know that that next thing is this. We're all in. That next thing is beautiful. Idea of like, like what is God wanting for us? Like, it's, it's, it's a much better question of, of them. What is God wanting from us? Like, what is God really wanting for us? Knowing that God is for us and knowing that we are in, in a time of, of, of great, incredible change in so, so many ways. And, and honoring at the same time that it's, it's hard to put down canoes. It's hard to put down those, those, those ways of thinking that have, that have served us well. But that's the whole meaning of the word repentance. Your repentance literally means to change your mind. And, and it, changing your mind is kind of has this connotation almost like car tires. Like take off the old tire, put on something new. Like take out the old mind, put in something new. New church, we talk about the new will. That's what that is. It's a, it's a new mindset, a new way of seeing it. It doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's, it's filled with frustrations and ups and downs. In other words, it's, it's filled with life. But that we're always being called. We're always being called to that, to that next thing. Not in a frenetic way. I want to be clear about that. It's not about making people nervous. It's about saying there's hope. It's about saying there's beauty. It's about saying there's possibility. Can we live, breathe into that possibility? It's hard to do if we're at 14,000 feet and we're still lugging around a canoe. Challenge. So we see this again and again in, in Christ's message where, where, where we see what the Lord's saying in, in the word as we see him saying, okay, so there's, there's this piece and now I'm going to take it to the next level. There's, there's this thing that has served and now it comes time for us to, us to continue to shift that. That's, that's why, you know, people talk about the Judeo-Christian ethic. In my line of work, I'm a political science major, actually, and then got my master's in education. But poli sci, they talk a lot about the Judeo-Christian ethic. In other words, you have Christianity that's very rooted in Judaism and it continues to evolve on, as all churches do. And, and, and that's what we need to continue, is continue that evolution. And we, we, see, we see hints of it here. And it, it's not about looking back at the old part, the old magic, and saying that was bad and wrong, thinking us we're not doing that anymore. It's about understanding that there is a new magic we're to move into. And listen to this phrase, folks, really important. It's about transcend and include. 
Like, how do we keep on moving? But we move forward in a way that we honor and hold what our past was. We honor and hold what worked. Because it worked. And we want to honor and hold it. We don't want to think that there was something like wrong or tragic. No, it was, it was part, of, part of us, part of the thing that moved us through, part of God's providence, part of this, this part of life where we can reach um, you know, a final threshold of life and be able to say, yeah, somehow it all belonged. Including canoes. Somehow it all belonged. So I'd love to share with you a story here. And this is, this is from the message translation of the Bible. Now, the message translation, uh, it's, a, it's a modern translation of the Bible. It's where Eugene Peterson tried to say, okay, like, how would Jesus have said these words in today's language? We don't use it all the time in here. We use it some of the time. We're going to use it today because I love the way he rephrases this part. And Jesus is giving this sermon, this Sermon on the Mount, and he starts, and he starts talking this way. Don't Suppose for a minute that I've come to demolish the scriptures. In other words, the old way of doing things. Either God's law or the prophets. Those are the two old parts of the Old Testament. I'm not here to demolish, but to complete. That's beautiful. I'm going to put it all together. Pull it all together in a vast panorama. God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the ground at your feet. Long after stars burn out and earth wears out. I'm going to have you say the A word there. God's law will be alive and working. Will be alive and working. Here we see, folks, that, that beautiful image of, of, of the Lord saying, okay, so we're here and, and, and I love you, so I'm going to call you to here. And that, that call just continues through our lives. Very powerful call, very meaningful call, but, it, but it's hard to pay attention to it. You know, human nature tends to, tends to want to create, again, like safety and comfort and knowns and kind of pull it all in and get it all figured out. And I don't think we're in a time where that works terribly well. I think we're in a time of asking questions. I think we're in a time of asking questions. And all, again, all the challenges around that, what was the phrase, you know, all the costly freedom that we have to embrace around that. Now, I want to share with you a study that just shows you how hard this is. So there was this book that came out a number of years ago. And what a title for a book. We're going to go back to that in one second. The book is Change or Die. Could you change when change matters most? Could you change when change matters most? It's interesting because we don't want to change. Now, I'm sorry to do this to the booth. Could we scroll back to that other, that other part? Because I want you to hear how, how Jesus is asking us to change both within. Can we scroll back to the other verses there? There we go. You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. So here, you know, here you see it's like this, this asking people to change. And, and the dying here, again, I think is dying with hatred in our heart. Hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you. Boy, there's an idea. Not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer, for then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm, 
that reigned and nurtured to everyone, regardless. The good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. Live out. This line, folks, look how beautiful that is. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives towards you. Beautiful. Now to come back to the cover of that book. That idea of, of that we, we have to change, and, and if, if we don't change, like we get stuck. And, and I don't mean like literal death, I'm talking figurative death here, where, where things sort of calcify and, and get shut down. And we're always being called to this, this idea of change. Now, the specific study this book, this book uh, did was pretty fa- I found was pretty fascinating. They said, they said they had a group of people they studied, and they said, with these people, they could either, you're going to say the D word for me, you could either change or die. Like, that was the choice. 90% of people in this study this guy did, guess what they chose? <laughs> they chose to die. Because, because they, they had a hard time refiguring how to do things. Now, again, I, I don't think that makes it bad, wrong, shameful, any of that. I feel like that's, that's, the, human, that's the human condition. Uh, I feel like we get so married to the way we do things, it, it becomes startling when we get to see something new. How many of us have had our teenagers totally blow our minds with something they showed you how to do on your phone? Right? Like, I'm sure I got my phone mastered. Then one of my kids will be like, oh, yeah, Dad, it does this. No clue. And I'm sure they'll be showing things about my car, too. All that stuff, right? So so what what the author found is he said, look, with with change, fear and facts don't do it. We can't make someone change just by creating more and more fear in their life. I want to say that again. We can't create change by creating more fear in people's lives. Folks, when you're afraid, how interested are you in changing? Not, not very much, not really. I'm interested in going in my room and hiding under the covers. And I'm interested in getting my life as small and safe and secure as it can be when I'm afraid. Now again, that doesn't mean there aren't times where fear is appropriate. There, there clearly are. But if we're looking to change and we're looking to move things forward, we're looking to do some of this, Understand that, that facts and fear, while important, those, those haven't been shown to be the biggest agents of change. There's, there's something that actually needs to predate all that. And that's where I want to come over here and speak for a minute. Now, looking at this chart, folks, you guys did a great job. And I, I could not fit in nearly enough answers here. We got a whole bunch of texts from all over the place. What are the anxieties of the day? Narcissism. What's the world going to be like for our kids? Loneliness, mass shootings, the Amazon, politics, balance of family and dollars, digital boundaries, the comparison trap, addiction, the pace of life. Like all these are true. All these are deeply anxious. And so the question becomes, like, how do we, how do we sort of shift it? And I love G.K. Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton's quote. And he said, religion isn't about necessarily, when you talk about what religion are you, he said it's, it's not necessarily your, your dogmatic belief system. So much of religion, when people ask me what religion, 
Um, I am, I, I tell them, but I think a lot of the time what they're looking for is they're looking for a bunch of belief statements. That's important. But as Chesterton said, really, religion is about the cosmos you choose to live in. What's the universe you choose to live in? Like, imagine instead of saying, what do you believe? Well, here, what church are you in? I believe in this church, you believe this, this, and this. Instead of we said, you know what? I don't want to tell you about that. I want to tell you about the world I inhabit. The world I think that God is asking us to be part of. That's what I want to tell you about. And I want to tell you about it because I want you to be part of it. Not for me, but for you and for us. New church concept. Every new angel in heaven makes heaven one step more close to perfection. That's good. That's good theology. It's not a belief statement. It's a question of what's the world we desire to inhabit? What's the world you desire to inhabit? What's the call there? Don't let fear get in the way. Just for a minute, let's take a breath. Let's think about that. What's the world you want to inhabit? The cosmos. And how can theology support that? It's interesting. What this author said is he said, you know what? Actually, the way through isn't fear and facts. It's about relating, repeating, reframing. So in order to, so we can look at repeating, relating in new communities, repeating new practices, reframing new ways of thinking. So let's say these three together so we can repeat all three. Ready? Relate, repeat, reframe. Relate, repeat, reframe. I love that idea. You know, that the first one is, is we have to find ways to relate in new communities. One of the challenges, again, is social media, is social media tends, tends to become its own echo chamber. I was reading a New York Times article about all the different, like, like when you search something on the New York Times, literally hundreds of sites start tracking you so that they know exactly what you're interested in. And that's why it appears sometimes like Facebook is listening to you. If any of us had that creepy experience, because that's essentially what's happening, is that it's, it's just this narrowing down. And we tend to think, isn't that great? Look how specialized this is to my interest. I'm like, no, that's the problem. <laughs> if everything is just tailored exactly to what your interests are, then narcissism starts to masquerade as choice. We have to be able to relate in new communities that actually break us out of that, which is so incredibly hard to do. But when we can do that, then we can start to repeat practices. We find ways to relate, relate in new ways. Then we find these new practices that we can repeat again and again. Church being one of them, small groups being another, service groups being another, uh, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, uh, coaching small athletic teams, uh, 
a dinner party, going out with your best friends, taking the time to drop the kids off on Friday nights so you could go out and hang out with your buds. You know, that, that's ways of repeating. That's ways of creating these new practices and these new communities. The two go together. And then comes the beautiful part, reframing. New ways of thinking. So, so we come into contact with these different groups. And all of a sudden, if we keep going at it, we will find our frame, the way we frame the world changing. There's, there's so many times, like you pick any number of things, right? Where, where we're sure this kind of person is this kind of way. And then all of a sudden we have a little interaction and we realize like, nope, that's just not the way it goes. Could I, could I share one with you? It's a little embarrassing. Yeah. All right. You guys like when I embarrass myself. So here you go. So one that was a, was a little embarrassing for me. I'm, I'm waiting in the, in the grocery line at Aldi's. Aldi's is fabulous, by the way. Um, waiting at this little grocery line in Aldi's. There's, there's a mom there with her kids. She's got a whole bunch of stuff. And it's just like any mom with a bunch of kids and a bunch of groceries. It's just a big mess. And she's looking all like distraught. And of course, I got all my judgments going on about about her and blah, 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 blah. And, and she's English is obviously not her, her first language. And she looks to her son, she says something, and then her son looks at me, and he's like, sir, would you like to go ahead of us? <laughs> no, no, I, don't, I think I'm going to sit here in my shame for a few minutes. You see, all my judgments go because I relate. Now, I go to all these every week, so we'll say I repeat that practice. But, you know, it just, it's, it's these shifts that, that just change us, and then all of a sudden we're reframed. I, I had a, a conversation uh, with one of our service team members, who I'll pull up here and read it. And this, this person had gone down to the, one of the service teams this weekend, and, uh, you know, they sent me a picture and said, hey, it was terrific. And, and we're talking about what this had meant to her to go. And she said, great group, beautiful time, heart wide open. So you see, I have my little cheat notes here. Great group. She had related in a different way. Beautiful time. Beautiful time. This is a practice she's done before. She kind of knows what's going to happen. So she was repeating this practice with a great group of people, people she didn't know. Right? Serving people she doesn't know. And what happens is a reframe. Folks, and, and, and the beauty of that reframe there, I want to say how beautiful that is. Because, because the reframe isn't like some great intellectual insight, like E equals MC squared. The reframe is my heart opens. My heart opens. Jesus talking about, this is the law, and I'm, I'm going to pull you to this next thing. And then I'm going to pull you to this next thing. We tend to think of the law as in that church, that church pillar, like, like written in stone. And Jesus going, well, actually, yes and no. We have to remember, and I've used this phrase before. It's a great phrase to remember. We have to remember that the law is there for this reason. So that we are grounded, not so we are rigid. So we are grounded, not so we are rigid. 
gives us the compass. The map is always changing. The compass didn't change on Lewis and Clark's expedition. The map and the means certainly did. So how do we do that? Like just, I think we keep on asking the question. We keep on trying to find ways. We're going to come back over here where, where our heart opens up. And, and how do we relate, repeat, and reframe again and again in ways that do that? And that will lead us to a life of deep, wonderful, amazing engagement. And there's nothing more exciting than when people come in and say, we are engaged thrill of my life. Like, I think it should feel that good. Like, we're engaged. There's hope. There's beauty. There's choice. My dear, beloved friends, is this year, as we step into it, Let's continue to join on this journey, relating together, repeating, reframing, opening up our hearts, all with this simple point. Let's together make the world just a little better. Amen. I'd ask you now to please join me in prayer. At this time, I'll say a prayer and then you'll have a moment of quiet reflection to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it or just to say your own simple prayer. So please join me. So Lord, thank you for your presence here again today. Lord, and we ask your blessing. We ask your blessing on those who are joining us from Western Pennsylvania to all across this country. Even those, Lord, we know who are watching us overseas. Allow them to feel our blessing our gratitude that they joined us here today. And Lord, now stir within all of our hearts, within all of our hearts, a commitment to just continue, to allow that reframing to take place, that opening of our hearts that is your will and that is your way, a heart of stone becoming a heart of flesh. And help us remember, Lord, just for today, Let's just make it a little better. A little better with the small interaction we have today, Lord. A little better. A little better with those we most love. An interaction, just a little better. An interaction in our churches, in our communities, where we remember and we hear that call in that small moment to just do it a little better. With treating you. With treating those in need treating ourselves today just a little better. Lord, we praise you. We lift up our voices to honor you. We lift up your name. We lift up in the hope that our lives are lifted up at the same time, which they always are. Led to hope, led to beauty. In your name this Sunday we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 